Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of UGA Sports Live. My name is Rodney Nabulsi. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan, the former Georgia head coach, the Hall of Famer himself, the man wearing that pretty nice shirt from the Seven Six Apparel. Looking sharp, coach. Hey, Looking I sharp. Go with the gear, man. If anybody gives me stuff, I'm I'm all for it. You know, I got. <laughs> no, it's good good to have you on, coach. Uh, I remember last week we were talking about, you know, this game coming up. You were very, very positive about what Georgia was going to be able to do against Oregon. And then I think they – I mean, I know you don't like the term statement game, but to me that was a statement game. When you come out there and you score in seven of your first seven drives and your defense was in a rebuilding year, uh, only gives up three points and even the third string wouldn't let them score. I, I know that you, you're not going to win every game 49-3, to three, Coach, but – damn, that was just an absolute butt-kicking of the number 11 team in the nation. And I just think that uh, for the, all the fans that were thinking – no, excuse me, not fans, but all the pundits that were thinking, hey, uh, you know, Georgia's might take a step back. Let's you – know, I, I don't know what they're going to be able to do. They lost 15 guys to the NFL. I think that was an absolute statement. Like, hey, our offense is going to be explosive, all those explosive plays, plus the defense is going to rebuild, so we're going to reload. So I just want to get your overall thoughts on it because that just to me was a dominant performance start to finish. Yeah, first of all, uh, congratulations to the, the preparations that our players made throughout fall camp, and it's pretty obvious that uh, th that they went out there and did exactly what they planned on doing. Sometimes – Things don't work out exactly like you you would want, but uh, we had some really good uh, uh, game plans on all three phases. They they worked uh, defensively. I'll talk, I'll start there. You know, some young players plug plug and play came in uh, without question. Two freshmen, um, Michael Williams and uh, and Starks, just showed you what kind of ability they have. A little tactical ploy that I thought. Kirby did to just maybe protect uh, Lester a little bit. They played a field corner where he was to the field where it's hard to throw the ball uh, uh, longer out there off the hash and played uh, Keeley in the boundary where he can play the fades and support the run pretty good. So I don't know if they'll stay with that, but uh, haven't seen that out of Georgia a lot, but a very good tactical ploy, which I'm sure that you and Dane and Brent and uh, – knew all about so uh roddy was just telling me that this morning he he called me and he said did you see what they were doing with the corner the other day <laughs> well anyhow uh we just got to have a little fun but i, I don't really think that uh, uh we got to just kind of i hate to use rap poison because the dictator used it but you got to be careful about uh you know swallowing the whole lollipop right now there's a long season a lot of things can happen, uh, but it's evident that the talent level, which I said in the spring on the show that uh, I wouldn't change our top 44 with anybody in the country, and that's what you got to have. You're going to have some certain stars, and you're going to have guys that stand out, but you got to have the role players. You got to have the guys that are going to play hard on special teams, and you got to have the coaching. And uh, part of coaching is utilizing your talent. Uh, and, and uh, 
you know, I've always said that coaching won't win for you. You're not going to outcoach many people that, that are prepared like you, but it will get you beat if you aren't utilizing your players like you need to. So uh, defensively, we did a good job of uh, swarming the ball, playing team defense. Linebackers made some mistakes, which you're going to see that, and uh, they cut us off a little bit at, on some of their uh, flat passes. But overall, an explosive team like Oregon that really has the ability to score f- from a lot of places on the field just couldn't make anything happen consistently. Uh, two big interceptions, magnificent play by Starks turning his body like 360. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Chris Smith kind of on that buzz coverage, which, you know, he just played the ball, uh, you know, read the quarterback's eyes, and you're just kind of a free safety there and jumped it. I would wish he could have taken it to the house like Clemson, but uh, we got to let him play in the first game next year, even if he's in the NFL, just so he can <laughs> first play first uh, game of the year but offensively uh, I mean uh, I've had some games where you just you mean whatever you call worked uh, I know we played Missouri one time when I was at Oklahoma <clears throat> and we were 11 for 11 we were 77 points we played everybody but the manager I mean we did everything we could to hold the score down but they kept trying to <clears throat> play this one defense it just was Switzer said, if they keep playing that, said, we're just going to keep hitting our head on the goalpost, which is one of the best statements I ever heard. You know, your, your running back's going to hit his head on the goalpost as soon as he starts out with it. But uh, seven for seven, with that kind of atmosphere on national stage like that, when everybody was doubting you a little bit, just really uh, impressive. The use of everybody uh, on the team, uh, spreading the ball out, uh, moving Stetson around. You can see that this is Stetson's team. I mean, what we're doing really uh, augments his ability, uh, shows what he can do with his feet. And, uh, of course, the thing that I like, besides just uh, seeing all the points, were the routine plays, the third down plays, which keeps the change moving. Beautiful passes on time on the out route, on the underneath spot route to uh, McConkie. Just – you know, just got so many good players. You got to be careful about just, uh, you know, licking your lips and uh, needing some chapstick, man. I'm telling you, it's it's good. But the the other part is you got to be careful. Uh, 86 for us at, at Oklahoma after our championship year, we were a better team. And uh, we went down to Miami and fumbled two punts and lost and we couldn't get in the playoffs. Uh, Marshall – Good Lord, 93, we had so much better team than we did in 92. And we changed our stripes in the championship game and and, and tried some things differently that we didn't do on special teams. And uh, they blocked the punt on us. And, uh, you know, we beat ourselves. But that that can happen. We've seen it with the South Carolina game. So let's just enjoy – I read that – I, I looked it up where really I can say it, that 3-2-1 report that you wrote, which was really kind of saying, but the thing that I thought was great was let's enjoy what we got. I mean, you got a good team. You can um, put yourself in the submission in the fetal position worrying about what we don't have, but we got a lot, and uh, <clears throat> you're going to play a team that we're going to be able to handle Saturday, but at the same time you got to go out and do it. They scored 50 points on Florida last year, and Florida almost beat Alabama. 
I mean, you know, you saw that game. So they're very capable. Hatcher's a good coach. So, but I think <clears throat> overall, just coming into Sanford Stadium as a defending national champion, playing uh, your first game and knowing that you just beat somebody 49 to three. So uh, everybody should be be pretty fired up and should be a good time on Saturday. Any thoughts, Dane? No, Dane has no thoughts. Fine. I mean, my thoughts are fixed. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe my internet's like buffering here. I, I'm just sitting here thinking about like Stetson Bennett is one of the best players in America. And how crazy that statement would sound at the beginning of last year or the year before or his recruitment or all of that. Like, I'm even seeing already that you, I think it was Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl saying we need to stop talking about Stetson Bennett as this underdog story and we need to start talking about him as a NFL prospect. And that game that he played, and it was the whole team, it wasn't just Stetson, but the game that he played was marvelous. And if he does that all season, it's going to be one of the best quarterback seasons at Georgia ever. Well, one thing you can see about NFL, we'll just have to see, but he's got the arm and the quickness, and he's got the savvy that to make a team maybe maybe not the first time, but a guy that could come in. You look at Russell Wilson's size, you look, they're talking about Bryce Young. I mean, he's bigger than Bryce Young. So, But we'll go over that story later. later. But uh, the other thing I thought was really good is the way we plugged and played our offensive line. Uh We've talked about the the issues of, of establishing a starting five, but if you can play a game with that kind of pressure and with those uh, um, different kind of, uh, of, th- of situational type deals and put a guy that's in there and not be too concerned about, you know, life or death on every play because we were rolling, uh, it really gives those kids some confidence and gives them a chance to see that, if something happens to Jones, McClendon can go over to the left go, left tackle, and uh, so uh, all of a sudden we can. If something happens to Radledge, Willock can play right guard beside left guard. Trust continue to play. Uh, I was glad to see him. He showed a little emotion on that one touchdown where he ran into the end zone and and uh, grabbed whoever caught that pass. But you know, I, I think he just starting to get his. Uh, niche with our team and uh it's gonna be good to to see him uh really cut it loose because he's got a lot of talent and a lot of leverage so uh but it was pretty obvious when you saw that offensive line uh in person as we have uh and and at the game massive and then you add big six eight to seventy on areas out there too and then you add big goal, uh, and then Brock Bowers, who's this human wrecking ball on the blocking. Uh, the other thing I thought was really good was the way A.D. Mitchell and McClendon, uh, I mean, the McConkey blocked on the perimeter, and we didn't get any holding calls. Usually when you run a, that many bubble screens or toss sweeps and stuff, those officials are right there, and they any kind of little grab, they're going to call it, but. I thought they let them play pretty good, except for that one ref on that their side who was uh, must have had a few two shooters the night before because he was three steps behind every play. But uh, yeah. it was uh, it was definitely a butt kick, and I felt bad for Coach Landing, but you know he's on the other side now. I mean, 
it's like when Attila the Hun, one of his best generals, left him and went to the other side. He, he, hey, when you don't feel sorry for him, you got to kill his ass. So, <laughs> yeah, and Dan Landing's going to bounce back. I think uh, he said that uh, you know, Kirby Smart told him, "Hey, my first year we went to Old Miss and I got beat thirty-one to nothing at the half, and he lost to Vandy, and that Nickel State game was super close." Uh, Dan Landing's going that Nickel State man, good lord, that was. I was thinking about that with Sanford coming. Can you believe uh, if if old uh, that, that transfer quarterback from Virginia goes in there on third and eight and makes that play, or they gonna get the ball back? And that, that I mean, they're going to win the game. That would have been that would have been just a disaster to lose to them. Well, to the point that both of you made about how Georgia fans really need to savor and enjoy what last year was and what this team is and where this program is, you don't have to look further than Clemson on Monday night to say. They've taken a step back. It's it's so hard to stay at the top. And could Clemson go and win a title this year? Like, yeah, I'm sure that's possible, but I didn't see it based on what I saw against Georgia Tech. And it's hard to stay up there, and Georgia's up there. Yeah, you, you know, Clemson set a high standard, and then they dropped off. And, and I think Tech's improved. They, they got more athletes. They seem to have a little better sense of direction on offense. But, uh, you, you know, Clemson just can't make the big plays that they were doing so well with uh, Lawrence and, and those pro receivers that have left and, uh, and you know, the really good back in ETN. I mean, they, uh, they just didn't look, look well oiled, but at the same time, it's the first game and let's be serious. I mean, their schedule, they, they should roll. So, uh, but we can't worry about the Clemson Tigers or the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Uh, I just know uh, that was good exposure for Georgia Tech to be on Monday Night Football. Uh, I don't think they'll, they'll be on anytime soon. Uh, Coach, you pointed out the how good Georgia looked in that, not to get too far ahead of yourselves, but the thing that stood out to me was how much more physical Georgia was. Georgia had better players. That's Look at the recruiting rankings. That's unquestioned. You said you, know, you wouldn't trade Georgia's first 44 for anybody in the country. You got better talent, but it's not like those players are just using pure athleticism. If you go back to that Lad McConkey touchdown, and A.D. Mitchell is absolutely pummeling some poor uh, Oregon cornerback. He knocks him to the ground, and while he's on the ground, he knocks him out of the field of view. Uh, Brock Bowers picks up a guy and drives him up to the uh, mezzanine inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Those guys blocking on the perimeter are absolute animals. You saw Jalen Carter just come First through guys hanging onto his back. They don't call holding. They basically tackle him just physically was unreal. And then Oregon had 22 busted tackles. Now, part of that's just, Hey, you know, you know, Dan Lanning's coaching him up to be better. He's got him in the right position, but those guys just didn't make the tackles. But part of that is when your running backs are breaking tackles, your uh, heck, even your quarterback is faking a guy out of his shoes. Uh, Lad McConkey's tough to catch. Darnell Washington's jumping over people and knocking guys to the ground. That there was just a physical nature of this team that, to me, outshined what Oregon put on the field. And you want to have that great talent, but I think this team has a physical edge. They're mean, coach. They're 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 tough. Yeah. Well, you know, the, one of the things that uh, continue to bring up is the uh, competition level at practice. Of uh, good point. We don't take any days off i mean we we do a good job of understanding what the uh, task ahead is and they cut back and all that but 
daily competition, and you see some people uh, losing their jobs. I mean, uh, Bullard jumps in there ahead of Poole. I would have never thought that, but based on performance, uh, Bullard played more than Poole did. Uh, uh, here's the deal. You don't have it made at Georgia. I mean, you got to go out there and, and continue to uh, play good and improve. Uh, Jordan Davis is a tremendous example of that. When he was a early guy, he was he was overweight. He worked on the scout team. The coaches saw the scout team film the way he was working and saw his potential and thought about, wow, we can use this big guy inside maybe for a few downs to plug it up and 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 it worked and. Uh, and that's what Kirby continues to tell his team is if you do what we ask of you, then you're going to have a chance to be a contributor on this team. And uh, I thought, again, <clears throat> for the people that missed the watch along show, uh, I brought this point up that usually you take 70 on the road, uh, SEC, non-conference game, you can take whatever you want to. Kirby took most everybody that even worked through uh, fall camp. I think they took 94 kids. Now, all of them certainly didn't play, but just the idea that was a reward for helping our team get ready. And in their own way, those scout team guys know that they helped our team prepare for Oregon. Gunnar Stockton did a good job emulating Bo Nix. He'll be another quarterback this week, and he'll learn about it just like Ben – Vandergriff did last year. So, uh, and Stetson Bennett has had a history of doing that stuff matters. Yeah, it helps. I mean, uh, <clears throat> the thing that, that that helps you as a scout team quarterback, and I had to do that my uh, freshman and sophomore year at NC State, is you, you go in there and you study the other team's offense and you see why they're doing things and you go off these cards, but you learn about 10 or 11 offenses beside the one that you know is your team. So you see different kind of route combination, different kind of uh, running blocking schemes, different kind of protection schemes, uh, different ways to uh, maybe make fakes and all that. And it just enhances your quarterback skills. Uh, it's really invaluable. I, I tell you, it's a good way to develop yourself as a quarterback. The other thing is to develop rapport with your team. I had someone tell me, do you realize that other than Warren McClendon, every starting offensive lineman at Georgia right now was on scout team with Stetson Bennett? Even uh, even uh, our uh, left tackle was? Was he there then? Yeah, that, that's, is this I didn't a, fact check this, but this, this is, is what I was told. Third or fourth year for Jones. Is Broderick Jones in his fourth year or third? Third so I don't think he was here for that. So I'll fact check that one on. But the rest of it's pretty true. Yeah. Well, another guy that was uh, on that scout team with him back in the day, or at least when he was when Stetson Bennett was first here, was Robert Beal. I forget how long Robert Beal's been here, but I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, but Coach, I want to go back to your point about you know these guys. Maybe we saw Michael Williams get in there and start. We saw Javon Bullard start, and you know we asked specifically about Javon Bullard and. Multiple different people on the team of players have said he's the toughest guy out there. And Kirby Smart said, look, this kid is physical. He plays bigger than he is. Kirby's mentioned twice that he's a little smaller than what he would like. But it's that physical nature that had Javon Bullard out there. But it was just interesting to see uh, Bullard get a start, Mikael Williams get a start. Uh, Malachi Starks had the most snaps of anybody on the team, the most 
tackles of anybody on the team. That ridiculous catch that you pointed out. Uh, Smile Mondin got a, a ton of uh, reps for you know the inside linebackers. I thought did a great job. Uh, I, I just want to reemphasize the fact that what you said about the fact that nobody has a starting job locked down doesn't matter who you are. Uh, you I know, Jackson Williams coming in, and you know, I thought we'd see him. You know, maybe second, third quarter, but Michael started the game, coach. Yeah, Jack. I mean, he. And Kirby's talked about his work ethic and the fact he was here in the spring and really worked himself in there. He's very talented, but you know, I had a chance to talk to Will Muschamp uh, when I was talking to him about watching his son play up there at Baylor. I was up at, there for uh, another issue up in Chattanooga, and uh, it, we were talking about you know the kid playing up there for his for the same coach that that he played for in the ninth grade down in South Carolina but but I was uh, just kind of he and then on and then I said well what what about these safeties I mean tell me about uh, we you know Starks what do you think he said coach this guy's special he said you just don't see many guys like that that can run and hit and jump and said he he's going to be something and uh and he was right. I mean, we knew that. Uh, Roddy and I watched him play down there yet last year against Gunnar Stockton. But and uh, the thing I like about him is, boy, as as good as he played and and the way he did everything. Can you imagine the feeling that this kid from Jefferson, Georgia, always wanted to go to Georgia, runs out on that Mercedes-Benz Stadium at, at before that first kickoff. I mean, that pride issue uh, takes over, too. I think that really helps you be even better players because you're playing for people and, and for the people of states you love and for you. It's just, a, it's just a different thing. I mean, I can't really get it across about how you how the, uh, the feel is to be a part of a team that, that, you know, hey, to say I'm on the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Well, Coach, you mentioned um, actually living out your life stream. I want to mention a new sponsor we have here at UJSports.com. Uh, it's our friends over at uh, My Perfect Franchise. This is a guy named Andy Ludecki. And Andy has been in the corporate rat race for many years. But 10 years ago, he got out of it. He said, okay, I'm, I'm done doing this. I'm done being the, uh, you know, working for somebody else. I want to work for myself. And so basically what he has created was a company called My uh, Perfect Franchise, and he will help you diversify your income through 3,000 different franchises out there. And everyone, to me, when I think of a franchise, I think of like a, a restaurant. Well, there's not, there's tons of stuff besides restaurants. Like, in fact, his first thing was a, uh, uh, a home care company that he started and he still owns it. Then he started a dumpster company and uh, franchise one of those. Then a, a Porta John company, uh, uh, big red reds heads, you know, the head, you know, people say hit the head. He has one of those. And of course he has a, a gutter company, stuff that he still owns. And he's helped at least three members of UJSports.com become their own uh, bosses. You know, they, they, I think two of them are in the roofing franchise. So point being, there's 3000 franchises out there. And if you reach out to them and say, look, I'm gonna keep my job, but I want something on the side, or I'm ready to change completely, or I want something that's turnkey, or I want something where I'm in there every day, no matter what you want. It's tough if you're doing it on your own, reach out to Andy Ludecki, go to my perfect franchise and he'll take care of it. It's uh, incredibly simple uh, guy. Uh, 
simple to get in touch with him. Just go to the franchise page right there and he will take care of the rest. It'll let you know, here's what you need to do. He'll take care, take care of all of it. Now I wish that there was also a prime shrimp franchise because I'd open one of those. I'd have one of those on my side here, but uh, one was mentioned the guy that we just brought on recently was our friends over at prime shrimp. And basically this is a simple concept. It's basically you go to the prime shrimp website. Uh, if you use promo code UGA sports, you get $20 off your first offer and basically, they have a this a company in New Orleans. They send you frozen shrimp. Now, the shrimp is deveined, peeled, deheaded, beheaded, unheaded. Head is removed, and then they have the sauces, the seasonings, and sauces inside the little packets that come with it. You can see it there on the screen. They, you know, each uh, bag has two frozen packets in it. Uh, both of them they're usually about a half pound a piece. You can cook them both at the same time or separately. You basically boil water and you drop them in. So if anybody like me in college was doing boil in bag rice, if you remember that, what was it called? Minute rice or whatever. It's the same concept. You just drop it in, it boils, you take it out, and it's the best damn shrimp you've ever had in your life. So go to primeshrimp.com, use promo code UGA Sports, get $20 off your first offer. All right, so we've had a little lovey-dovey Georgia Fest here because the game, we know the results. Let me let me put on my Munson hat and, and get Coach <laughs> to tell me uh, why these things are not concerns because there are a couple things, and I know Coach is going to do that. But, Coach, first drive or two, both of the guards were put on the butt or, or turned the wrong way. Should I be worried about the guards? Well, I mean, it's always going to be a, a, a deal where you can't win every battle, and the whole five group is, is part of it. But uh, – you got to remember they were a little nervous too, probably getting in there, but uh, you're not going to uh, have uh, just dominating guards uh, in today's football because everybody's so athletic on defense. But, you know, when you get knocked back like that, it worries you. But I, I think uh, the zone concept we use, the way we use misdirection and all, that'll enhance their ability. Uh, but certainly you don't want to – those guys probably got – the rest of the players got a lot of laughs on those plays. Watching them in the film, you, you know, it's always good to win, watch the film when you win 49-3. I mean, you can laugh and giggle. When you get your ass beat, you don't say anything in there because the coaches, it's not good. I mean, one of the worst things in the world is go watch the film after a loss, man. It's hard. Well, I'm going to keep playing my character of frazzled Georgia fan regardless. Uh, Coach, Coach, I know the, the passing game was great, but this running game, I mean, they weren't <laughs> going in between the passes. You didn't see anything long-term. Should I be worried about the running game? Well, I mean, the pass game was there, and so we used it. But a lot of our passes are, uh, are runs, you know, the, the touchdowns uh, on the screens and stuff like that. Those are essentially runs that flip there to McConkie that he, he got called – you know, when you just flip it up in the air and, and, the, and the ones to uh, Kenny Mack, I mean, what do you call it, like 10? How many passes he catch? Nine or 10? So I, I don't think our running game is going to be like uh, lead the nation or anything, but it, it's going to be good because people are so worried about the pass that they, they're going to have to uh, do something about supporting the run when, when you keep uh, backing up, we'll run the ball. But we, we call a lot of good checks. You saw uh, our quarterback, Stetson Bennett, go to the line and move some things around. So our running game will be really good, I just think. It's a good question when you pass for that many yards. I mean, why didn't you throw, run more? But <laughs> seven for seven is hard to beat, man. 
Well, what about on defense, though, Coach? Like, there weren't any sacks out there. I mean, this is yeah, terrible, terrible. They, they, they got to go get No sacks. What was that? Well, pregame, you worry about Bo Nick scrambling. I mean, yeah. if you look at the way he's hurt us, which is very limited, is his ability to scramble and keep plays alive or make first down. So we were really uh, – really in control rush the whole day and particularly once we got ahead and we we never came with a lot of pressure on him and most good blocking teams that throw on rhythm like they do even if you don't touch them they'll get rid of the ball because it's a timing thing from the shotgun so uh it's it was an issue you'd like to see him sack them but Three things they're worried about him scrambling, the fact they throw on time, and we we ran very little pressure to really augment the pass rush. So that's the three reasons why we didn't, in my my humble opinion. That's a good point. Uh, uh, one more. I'm gonna sneak one more in here. Oh, you got what you got uh, one more complaint? Linebackers. <laughs> I got one more. I got one more. So the linebackers, they look super fast. I know they're young, they're good athletes, but I mean, coach, they were stepping in the wrong direction. They were all twisted yeah. around. Should I be worried about these linebackers going where they need to? Yeah, I mean, there that was an issue. I mean, we talked about it a little bit on the walk along about uh that's your assignment. I mean, uh and and the, the hardest position to play out there, uh, to me, you gotta play inside run, you gotta play the pass game, you gotta play perimeter. Uh, very tough position for backer, and it's an instinctive type deal. And you saw flashes from everybody, but uh, l- lack of experience hurt us there and the fact that they were probably a little nervous and uh, playing against some good players. So uh, we don't have near the uh, cohesion with the front seven that we had before, but you take five or six missing pieces out of it, then uh, – you know, somebody even asked me, which I thought you were getting ready to say, what about Jalen Carter? Why didn't he? Yeah, he's terrible too. More, You know, realistically, if you are on the other team that you're getting ready to play and you watch that film that went out viral at that Twitter where he jacked that guy's jaw up and turned him around and then went in there. I mean, you know, the coach is giving you the scouting report and telling you to do this and said, yeah, coach, I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get out there and try to knock his ass around. Look, the guy is frightening. I mean, he's just uh, – when you get in line and you're doing one-on-one against him and, and they got lines and everything, what those kids that are in line are doing is they're looking around to see when he's up next and then they're tying their shoe and doing some stuff. So they're not the next guy that's got to go one on one with. I mean, he's a he's an assassin, man. I mean, he just destroys you, and uh, he'll he'll be just such a force for our defense because everybody's got a you got a game planning. You got to figure out how we're going to handle this guy. If we assign two people to him, are we going to slide our protection, have a back chipping? But he's a monster. That's when you see all of a sudden on Friday night, Coach, a lot of those guards, maybe a center or two, all of a sudden has mysterious case of food poisoning. You're yeah. with everybody else, say, but all of a sudden Saturday morning, you don't feel so good. So I, I can definitely see that. Uh, you, always, you hear that word from the selective trainer, amoebic dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, speaking of going uh, going straight through a goose, Georgia's offense went straight through the Oregon defense. And I want to ask you this. We saw a lot of explosive plays. When I, you go down the list of um, the long, you know, the in the stats sheets, folks, they'll say this player had this many catches for this many yards with a long of, and you see 28 yards, 19 yards, 29 yards, 27 yards, 35 yards. It's just – I'll read out in a second there, but coach, a lot of people are very excited about the offense and uh, I really want to know, was this all Todd Munkin? Cause I was thinking of Mike Bobo's over there, Buster Faulkner's over there. You know, it's, there's, a, there's 32 yeah, right. of offensive coordinators on that staff. How did this, uh, uh, Brian McClendon's over there. He's done it before. How did this offensive game plan come together? Well, what happens is, uh, you know, the, the two people that get the credit and the blame are the quarterback and the coordinator. <laughs> the thing about it is the coordinator certainly got to make the calls and 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 uh, keep keep it flowing and everything. And Todd does a terrific job of that. But uh, in, in setting up a game plan and, and getting ready for the week, uh, you, you uh, articulate to the staff, you know, what your general thoughts are, and, and also the head coach does too about what we got to do to win. And then people have segments of the, of the thing where, where the, uh, usually the offensive line coach will figure out and study their down and distance on uh, short yardage and goal line short yardage and, and give a list of those plays that he feels like would be the best to him. Uh, Dale McGee might take the uh, red zone defenses and uh, talk about what – and maybe the coming out defense is what we might do coming off the goal line. Brian McClendon would talk maybe about third and long pressures being the receiver coach because he's going to have to run routes against it. And, and Hartley would kind of go with everything there and try to help, you know, along with special teams, but give some ideas. So, And then you have the analysts, Coach Bobo and Buster Faulkner, both have been offensive coordinators in, in high-level programs, and they – look at tape and give suggestions. So the game plan is really a simulation of the whole staff and you have your choices there, first and 10, second long, third and short, you know, uh, shot plays that you're going to do and must run plays and get the ball to Bowers and get the ball to Washington. And you, you got, that, plans. You got that, that menu there that you're looking at. And then – when the game's going like that, you're eating a hot dog and you're not looking at anything, man. You just say, hey, let's run this. Let's run. Or just go in the huddle. If you, like I used to get about Southern Cal when they had all those guys with Leonard and Bush and all those guys. And I said, you know, I was on the SPN up there and uh, I told them, I said, what they do in the huddle is they go in there and say, look, who hasn't touched the ball? And the guy raised his hand. He said, okay, we'll run you this time. I mean, that's about how, how it worked the other day. I mean, it was unbelievable uh, the, the, the way we set up plays. But I will say this, that, that Todd did a really good job of setting things up. He would run one play and then look like that play several plays later and then run something off of it. So there was a lot of lot – of, uh, intrigued from my standpoint seeing the way he set things up but uh it was a brilliant execute brilliantly executed game plan but the players do it i mean yeah. there's way too much uh 
talk sometime about calling plays. It basically gets down to the quarterback doing what you coached him. That's your job, coach him up during the week. And there's a lot of calls at the line and there's a lot of checks. But that was about as efficient an offensive performance as you could ever ask for. And the other thing is we didn't lay the ball on the ground. That one fumble maybe by McConkey was close, but it wasn't. And uh, that's the thing about these last three games – Michigan, Alabama, and this game, uh, Stetson's been on fire. You look at those, those stat sheet for how many he's thrown and no interceptions and touchdown ratio and quarterback rating. I mean, you couldn't ask for much more. Where the coaching comes in is the first first down that Georgia made on a third down. It was that, uh, what, 13-yard pass to Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. So many times over so many years I've seen players across college football turn that route and be about three yards shy and then have to shuffle right. and try to find a way to dive ahead of it. And he went two yards past where he needed to get turned around. Ball was there. It was perfect. Yeah. And the times that I do see uh, Georgia in the spring and sometime in the summer, uh, when they have special teams, then certain coaches are going to be involved with that besides their regular not their work. You know what I mean? But Todd always gets the receivers over there if they're on the kickoff return team, if it's a kickoff return team or punt, whatever it is. And he works little step drills about how to break on the pass and what to you with your body and just little little things that really help like that. I mean, you saw that little subtle turn that Rosemey made when he broke out, but he turned back to the inside because the guy was trying. It, it's just – yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> it's, just, it's just pro coaching. I mean, it's just technique to the max that that, uh, and I'm sure that uh, B Mac has really enhanced that too because he's a very good technique coach. But he's involved in the punt team, so he's down there helping the gunners cover and stuff like that. But uh, and then at the same time, Coach uh, Schumann's over there with the different defensive players that aren't on the team, and he's going through some drills or some things like he might be over there just working the safeties breaking off the hash on cover two or getting the linebackers to learn how to buzz up in the in the a gap and then back up or taking a defensive end and showing him how to run a zone blitz and back up and play the ball in there those little techniques right there are just invaluable well roddy was telling me that on the phone this morning too so i mean yeah. this is yeah, on top of it. This is all redundant stuff that we've already talked about, Coach. We coach. We, I mean, they, they coach these kids up, and uh, there's no rest. I mean, if, if you're slacking off during the uh, special teams, like you might have uh, – I've heard Kirby be on the other field and see somebody down there doing some kind of drill that they're supposed to be doing by doing it kind of half-assed. Hey, let's head it up there on field three. Get it going down there. You know I me. Mean? <laughs> oh, we've heard that. You don't hey, want to, it doesn't. You don't want. I, to I've had people ask me. You know, uh, you know, was Kirby like this, that, and the other? And I'm like, look, a perfect example is the. I've heard him eviscerate Keely Ringo, Richard LeCount, Jalen Carter, uh, Andrew Thomas. You know, who it doesn't matter who you are if he doesn't. And he said yesterday, I thought this was a great point. He said, you know, you don't need motivation if you have standards. And I'm like, oh, geez, that sounds like a really cliche. Oh, my God, that's that's genius. That's that's a great philosophy. 
you don't have to have a gimmick if you're just pushing everybody to keep up the standard. And that's what we saw. I was very impressed with that. So I do want to mention, um, well, speaking of standards, uh, there's we have a. Hey, sponsor. can I can I give a can I give a quick shout out to a super chat that we just got, Josh? Thanks for that. He says thanks, thanks for a great show, guys. Josh, it, Josh, where's uh, he? From? Yeah, tell us where you're from, Josh. Uh, I do want to mention you were talking about the standards. We have a partner that we brought on to UJSports.com because they had advertised with a bunch of other uh, rival sites and all the customers there, all the readers at uh, the Ole Miss site and the uh, uh, Texas site and a bunch of other sites really loved what they do. So they reached out to us and said, hey, can you, will you try our socks? I'm like, the socks? Well, I'm not going to sell socks. Then we got them and we're like, damn, these are fantastic socks. So uh, the company's called Dead Soxy, D-E-A-D Soxy. So check out Dead Soxy. Use promo code UGA Sports to get 25% off your order. And they have 640 reviews. It's 4.9. So they are a pretty much a five-star company. It's like maybe one person gave them a four-star out of everybody else. You know, you see all those five-star, five-star, five-star. Point it was probably somebody that was upset about Arch Manning. You know, they had the Arch they socks. Have the, and so yeah, and you can when actually, he committed to Texas, I bet that that's where that review came from. Stupid sock company didn't work. But point being, they're just phenomenally comfortable socks. And just want to point out the fact that, you know, they're made uh, from this fantastic yarn. They have the true stake technology. They don't fall down. And they make them in a bunch of Georgia styles that you need to check out. So get a chance, get your new favorite socks over at Dead Socks. So you want to check them out. Also, I want to mention our friends over at Academia Brewing. I, want, I just want to point out one thing about Dead Socks here because uh, what I really like about it is, is I got some Jordans here. Look at you. That these Dead Socks just go in there so good and just you can just put them up there and then they feel so good on your feet and, and just – I'm just telling you, uh, just really good the way they can hang with you. So I'm for dead Soxy too. I got to get my commercial in there. <laughs> I love it, Coach. I can't yeah. get over the flex. I've got some Jordans here. No, yeah. he, he, I, didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like I got Jordans. Yeah, did. I'm just saying they feel good with the Jordans, man. I, they feel good with any kind of shoe, but you got to make sure when you got a little problem with your feet like I do, I got a little neuropathy. And those those feet those really feel like almost like compression socks, but they're really comfortable. So uh, I would give you my five star on dead socksy right there. So I probably messed that hole up. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's great, Coach. Hey, that's a that's an unsolicited testimonial. Also, want to mention our friends over at the Academia Brewing Company. They have a new beer out. This thing is hilarious. Uh, where is it? The uh, Always in Trouble Lager. And I'm really excited because they make it with uh, tagine lime. And I have a tagine lime. Uh, it's a, a seasoning that you put on uh, fruits and uh, vegetables and anything you want. Uh, tagine lime, throwing it on some uh, watermelon or corn is just phenomenal. They made a, a beer with this rock and roll company or a rock and roll band, and they call it Always in Trouble. And I'm just really excited about it. And we've mentioned before in the past that they're having their Oktoberfest. They're calling it Academia Fest, October 13th through the 16th. It also happens to be their birthday. Uh, so their fifth, fifth birthday celebration will be then. Check our friends at Academia Brewing Company. I know not all of you can get into the stadium this coming Saturday when the Met National Champions run out and you hear Brooke Whitmire say, here come your defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. That's games at 4 o'clock. 
but if you still want to come to Athens and tailgate and everything, go out to Academia Brewing Company. It'd be a great place to uh, sit and watch the game. They'll have us on the watch long out there as well. And you can try out the fantastic food and beer. Let's get to some questions from UGASports.com. Coastal VA Dog was asking about sacks like I did earlier, but then he tagged on this coach. He said, a few occasions Georgia left wide open fields for Bo Nix to scramble to. How does that happen and how do you fix it? Well, certainly it's hard. You see quarterbacks scramble all the time, and you, and usually some kind of breakdown of the defense. Either a guy falls down, a missed assignment, or uh, you have a coverage that really doesn't have anybody assigned to the quarterback, which percentage-wise against them, that wouldn't be very good because he's going to scramble on you. So we had a couple breakdowns. You heard Kirby in his press conference yesterday. Hey, we got a lot of things we got to fix, and usually speaking, uh, there's plays that uh, when you go back and look at them, say, man, we're really lucky. I mean, if they would have thrown the ball to this guy, he scored, or if this that it. But that's the deal. They didn't do it. But we've got to get a little bit more discipline with our drops. You got some young pups in there in the linebacker, but you also got to you got to have a, a read on the quarterback too, and read his eyes. And see, you got to have that instinct. If the protection breaks down and the guy starts to move, you got to you got to move with him and do the job you need to do. So we were pretty effective against him when you look at the whole thing. And uh, when the uh, if they ever do a Ralph Edwards, this is your life for Bo Nix. So one of the chapters he doesn't want to have in there is his success rate against University of Georgia, uh, 0 for 4. And uh, we really got after him pretty good every time. From Sikkim Dogs outside of Jalen Carter, does the defensive line concern you if Georgia plays a physical downhill running team? Yeah, it concerns me a little bit because of just a lack of experience. But I think the more – we play together and get a cohesion of knowing where the guys are going to do and looking at your other guy. And as I've mentioned several times, and I'll continue, we're going to be playing ahead so much that I just think it's going to be hard for anybody to be patient enough to run the ball to try to stay in the game. So uh, I haven't seen that kind of powerhouse running game out of anybody on our schedule with the exception of maybe uh, Kentucky if they – get Rodriguez back, Rodriguez back, but, uh, you know, it, it, it could be a, if we were playing against us, I would worry about it, but I don't see anybody until Alabama that shows that kind of power running game, but, uh, maybe, uh, maybe Kent state's going to have it. I don't know. I, I don't know who the athletic director is for Kent state, but good God, they start out with Washington. They play Oklahoma and then they play us. I mean, they got some pretty good money up there, but if I'm the head coach, I'm saying, man, that's a terrible schedule, isn't it? Yeah, that's brutal. Hey, if you want to be the best, you got to play and get destroyed by the best. I mean, there won't anybody left. They played, played Auburn, I think, two years ago. I mean, and uh, they can throw the ball now. They'll they'll be challenging. Uh, uh, they'll be a, a ch- it'll be a better game than than you think, but. but uh, Golly, Kent State, man. From Monolithic Dog X, if Coach Donnan was still coaching, what concepts from his offenses would you would he have kept? And what does he see from other offensive coaches now that you would have adopted? Well, I mean, it's 25 years ago. Uh, the, the game's changed. Uh, and certainly the hurry up is big. 
I mean, I liked it. We were starting to do it. We were running the zone read a little bit with, uh, you know, starting out there in, uh, in Missouri. And then we did a lot of uh, we in Oklahoma, but we brought up some zone read. But I would think just the RPOs that we never had, which make it a lot easier for your protection, run, pass option. It can be a run or a pass. And uh, just the uh, overall uh, – so many different coverages and everything that people do now. You know, I used to play cover two or Tampa two. Now they got every kind of version of each one. They play all this match stuff where they match up against your receiver. So if I were coaching again, I would run some option just because of run support on the perimeter, people playing man, a lot more RPOs. I would continue to uh, utilize the tight end for Roddy. And uh, I would love to take a lot of deep shots. I like it. Love it. From from Blairsville Dog, Coach, what was the biggest surprise and biggest disappointment from the Oregon game for you? Well, a surprise was the the margin of victory. I mean, I had no idea that we would beat the dog shit out of them. I mean, that's the only way to say it. It's not a bad word there. I mean, we, we really annihilated these guys, so. That was the biggest surprise. I guess the biggest disappointment was just the fact that Oregon didn't give more of a test to us because I would like to see how we handled a little adversity. I mean, you know, that's what you got to do with your team is react to the situations that, that you're going to see that are going to help you win or work on the ones that, that got you beat uh, uh, in situational type stuff. But uh, So I'd say the margin of victory and the lack of uh, – competition from uh, Oregon. I was really surprised. And anybody that wasn't is lying. I mean, I, I mean, you got to yeah. be lying about Oregon. I don't think they're overhyped. I just think it's just a different style. I mean, they play different on the West Coast, uh, you know, those teams. And they get they got beat by a physical team. The same thing happened to them with Utah. Utah, uh, Utah this week needs to be working on their goal line offense. I mean, good Lord, did they squander that. And uh, – Big win for Napier, big win, no question about it. But Utah, they need to send them some some serious money for giving that one away. <laughs> three three trips, coach. From, the game walked away with three points. Yep. From Strict yep. Dog Seven with Bama playing Texas at 11 a.m. local time this week and Georgia playing at South Carolina noon next weekend. What strategies do coaches use to get teams ready for early kickoffs? couple things first of all you get them up a little bit earlier during the week during the week some of these teams practice in the morning now i mean that that's their deal we don't but you you certainly start the day a little quicker uh and then the pregame sometimes i would do a little bit of a one-on-one you know how they run plays there at the end of the half of, of the of the, of the warm-ups against each other and kind of trying to get their blood flowing maybe we'd run three or four plays live there just to let them know, hey, we got to get rolling here. Uh, and uh, and certainly uh, you, you set everything up. Your pregame meal is four hours before, so you eat at 8 o'clock. Uh, you know, you do a lot of things like that. But, uh, but I can't really take a lot of credit for that because we played in the uh, Outback Bowl and we were behind like 20-something to nothing. The game started at 11 o'clock. Our players started thought it started at twelve thirty. <laughs> we were awful, but fortunately we came back and 
piss Drew Brees off. I mean, we were going to the press conference after the game, and he was named player of the game or something, so he had to go. And he was walking beside me, and the whole time he was just shaking his head. And I didn't, I couldn't say anything. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I never. He was really disappointed, which it should have been. I was happy, but I've never seen a guy so depressed as he was going to that press conference. And I don't know who their kicker was, but he's in my lifetime memories of being a real good friend. oh god i remember that game that's actually uh we have two more questions but why don't we do that after uh it is double points tuesday roddy at your pie yeah i want to mention folks uh we mentioned every tuesday hey go to your pie get it you know open up the your pie app on your phone uh hit them up and uh be sure that you use that instead of uh the, I mean, you can go into the restaurant and do it your, the way you want to, but I'm just saying, when you get those points added up, ooh, uh, now I have, I can, get, I get my, I told you I still had my half birthday gelato scoop, so because uh, you know half birthday, but if you want to get the ice cream or uh, pizza or stuff like that, the points add up, so do that quickly, you know, when you when you do, I mean, do that on Tuesday and do it fast, do it now so you don't forget and go, oh man, it's Wednesday, it's Thursday, I missed it. Do it on Tuesday to get the double points and try that Cubano pizza. Trust me on that. It is phenomenal. But, of course, if you just want them to make one for you and you walk in and say, look, I want this crust, that sauce, this cheese, all these toppings, throw it in your uh, incredible oven. I'm, by the time I get my drink or my beer and sit down, you'll be bringing it to my table. It's a phenomenal concept. And uh, your pie is created by Drew and Natalie French, two huge Georgia fans. I know Drew was probably on cloud nine watching that game Saturday. So uh, if you want to support folks who support the dogs, check out uh, your pie. And of course, I also want to mention our friends at Athens Ford because there's probably not bigger Georgia fans out there than Brian Clower and the folks at Athens Ford. Like I said, when you go out there, uh, there's Georgia stuff everywhere. They're here in Athens. Uh, they just celebrated their 10 year anniversary. They're moving tons of vehicles. They actually have a lot of vehicles. A lot of places don't have them. They've got uh, 244 vehicles on the lot right now. Uh, if you go by certain other dealerships out on uh, Atlanta Highway you know, towards, you know, towards Bogart, you'll see some dealerships that don't have too many cars on there. I think half of them are actually belong to the people that work there. But no, if you go on Athens Ford, there's tons of them. And there's, they have a $500 military discount. They have a $500 student discount. Uh, and everything you get from them, uh, you know, all the new vehicles and most of the pre-owned up to 80,000 miles will have a lifetime powertrain warranty. You can't get that at other Ford dealerships. People say, oh, well, there's a uh, Ford dealership closer to me. No, come to Athens so you can get the lifetime powertrain warranty. So if you have, as someone told me recently, the water pump go out on your uh, Ford, for some reason, you know, hey, it's eight years old. Doesn't matter. Lifetime powertrain warranty. So eight-year-old water pump needs to be re- replaced. They take care of it. So hit up our friends at Athens Ford. I go out there, put it in order like Ryan did for one of those new Broncos. You'll absolutely love it. So shout out to Athens Ford and Europe for being sponsors of our podcast. Derek Walker says, uh, Coach, what are your SEC East debut thoughts? I'm going to put a pin in that and say you need to watch Around the League on this same YouTube channel. Uh, we're recording it tomorrow, but we'll publish it on Thursday. We'll be talking about everything in the SEC, so we'll leave that for that show. The Sheriff says, I think that it's awesome that we play Coach Chris Hatcher's team this week. Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp, both graduate assistants under him at Valdosta State. So you know that will be fun for those two guys. 
Yeah. Um, Chris Hatcher was the head coach at Georgia Southern when I was a student there, too. Yeah, I think uh, Muschamp actually was a defensive coordinator, ended up being, and then he hired hired, uh, Kirby to come in there. But uh, Chris was coaching up at uh, Kentucky when uh, Coach Mummy was there and Coach Leach, and I got to know him. And uh, he's a very solid uh, football coach, knows the passing game. He knows the air raid inside and out, and he does a good job of uh, recruiting uh, to that level. Uh, always has a good quarterback, and uh, they'll be a thorn in inside. I mean, they can make some first downs, and they can they can score points. Uh, uh, kind of a side note here, uh, one of his quarterbacks who came here, a, a good friend of uh, my family, a, a great Georgia supporter of the Sutherland family from over in Atlanta, Jess Sutherland is a student coach here now who played quarterback for the uh, Sanford Bulldogs. And I'm sure he's helping out our defense about some of the stuff that Sanford does, but Jess is a good young coach and a good young man. And uh, glad he's here. Uh, Let's go with this question from Billy Zane. He said, when you're going against a sister of the poor FCS team, who is clearly overmatched compared to Georgia, do you still run a game plan solely designed to score on offense and stop scores on defense? Or with the talent gap, do you try to focus on improving things that maybe you struggled with in past games or in camp or in the first game? Good question. Very good. Very good point. Two things about plan. I don't think this is a – I mean, he was certainly talking about FCS team. I, I think this is an upper echelon. They had a big win over Kennesaw State, who actually got to the playoffs last year in, in their first game. But two things here. you got to talk to your team about the way we prepare will make sure that we don't take these guys for granted. So if we screw around all week and flip-flop around, then we're not going to be near the team on Saturday. That we, we need to prepare for them just like we do anybody else and make sure that we are – cognizant of what they can do and execute our assignments and play uh, your technique and play your assignment. If that happens, usually you're going to play pretty good. The other thing is you can't start worrying about telling the coaches about how quick we can get these other guys in and we're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to have this script and these guys are going to come in. Hey, too many things can happen. Play the game, and then if, if you, things are rolling good, <clears throat> then start playing the guys you want to. One thing you might do is put them in there a little earlier, even though the score's tight, just to see how it goes. And as far as you're working on things, I don't think that you work on them that much and show the other teams what you can do in the game. Uh-huh. Just keep it out. Maybe work on it in practice your weaknesses, and then you can, uh, you know, show it, show it to South Carolina. When South Carolina's watching the tape, they're saying, well, Georgia's not very good on short yard. It's doing this. You know, we need to take advantage of it. And then you've worked on it, and you, you catch them by surprise. Final question from JBH3RD. He says, after rewatching the game and looking at the stats, the top tacklers for Georgia were mostly from the secondary. Is that concerning? Because typically that's not a good sign. Yeah, I mean, you know, stats are, are something that, that certainly you got to analyze. But uh, why did these tackles happen? Uh, and if they're breaking the line of scrimmage and you're making tackles, that's one thing. But if you're coming up on the perimeter – 
and tackling the guy on a bubble screen where the linemen can't make the play anyhow, which they threw, threw a plethora of those. They, they led some. So I think it's a little good news, bad news there. I mean, it's good that we can tackle in the open field as Roddy so eloquently discussed the Ducks missing 22 tackles. I don't think we missed near that many. So we tackled pretty good in space, but we didn't uh, stop the run at the point of attack as good as we need to. But I think we were really worried a lot more about their outside game than we were their inside game. And so we didn't really play a lot of inside defense. That's a good point. On well, that type of stuff you pointed out during the watch along, and shout out to Alan Hampton who watched did the watch along for the first time and now says he is hooked. So uh, that, that was glad you can join us. And uh, you point out a lot of stuff like that. Uh, oh, I didn't see you had a question here. It says Coach John, could uh, Darnell Washington be the destroyer, the most valuable receiver blocker on the offense? Well, I think he's right there. I mean, among. 1984-5, all of them are great on the perimeter. Kiaris Jackson's good. Uh, these guys have to be – I mean, they get their dinner taken away from them if they don't block in practice. I mean, they go against the defensive backs every day, three or four different periods where it's life or death. One of them's winning, one of them's losing, so they don't take their dinner away from them. But I'm just saying, <laughs> it's a real competitive deal out there to – support the run and block at the same time. The, the offense is trying to block and the defense is trying to get, get off blocks. And we just don't go out there and go one-on-one -on -one where the receiver's trying to catch a pass. They do three things. Start practice with that drill where you practice getting off blocks and playing the bubble screen and the bubble screen blockers are doing it. They do half line where you just – it could be run or pass. You play the pass or support it. And then they do, you know, some goal line stuff where they, you know, have to support the run very quickly and save a touchdown. So really good uh, practice organization and uh, make some work at it. And games are easy for us after practice, I can tell you that. Very true. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Be sure to tune in Thursday for Around the League with uh, Dane, Brent, and Coach Donna, where they talk about all the teams in the SEC, especially the SEC went 13-1. and We screwed up LSU, you know, but they'll be talking about that. Florida's big win. What, Bandy being 2-0 in the league and everybody else in the conference, so they'll be talking about all those guys. And then, of course, that's 3.50 or so. Tune into this same channel, whether you're watching it on Facebook or YouTube, and we will have the – uh, watch along show with our friends uh, uh, from Yancey Brothers as a sponsor, Athens Ford as a sponsor, uh, Bud Light Next as a sponsor, and of course our friends at the Seven Six. They all the coaches wearing the Seven Six show. I put the link in there if you want to get a shirt like his. Check out them. The point being, uh, so we'll have a watch along show, and then after that we have the post game over reaction show, and of course. Uh, uh, last night we had a recruiting show, so be sure to subscribe to this channel because we have tons of content for you all the time. They even put up a great little video from uh, Dan Lanning saying that Georgia is a complete team this morning. It's a great video for you to check out when you get a shot, and uh, we will talk to you next Tuesday at noon. Take care.